Monsieur, this offer you make is too good to be true. Decent employment with high wages of 250 francs a year and lodging in St. Andre de Courcy? Merci. I will gather my things and meet you in front of my room first thing in the morning. To mes sauvoy. Merci beaucoup. To beaucoup. To beaucoup. It's evil! Don't touch it! It's alive! I was with you. They're coming to get you. Hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. Welcome back to yet another edition of the Well, Hello, Mr. Fancy Pants podcast. <laughs> oh, Mr. Connor! Welcome back! I'm Zach. Joining me always are my co-hosts. Mr. Spar. Hello, everybody. Lin- Lindy. And Hi. the Todd. I'm just a part-timer, but I'm here again. Yet again. Always a pleasure to have you, sir. How is everybody doing this week? Fantastic. Can't complain, I suppose. <laughs> it sounds like you want to. Sounds like you want to. I always want to. <laughs> Uh, so, um, this week we are discussing the French maid murders. Is that correct? And this mm-hmm. is, is, the, is it the patine? Is that how you pronounce it? What's, the, what's the sisters, right? No, oh, I thought I, I, no, 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 I got no, the wrong no, no. one. <laughs> Good. So this will all be a surprise yeah, to you. I was going to say, shit. <laughs> I'm about to drop some like uh, VC Andrew shit and, and be like, maul it up. But I guess I'm not. Okay. No, sir. Oh, that would so great if she just started the episode and I've been like, that's not how it happened. What <laughs> <laughs> uh, were you smoking when you did your research? Or? Well, I'm just over here like, smoking. hey, he, he's finally in the same boat as me and Matt. We're just like, yeah, we'll no. roll with it. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> Here it's we go, baby. Jesus, buckle up. It's going to get bumpy. Yeah, it is. I, I... Don't worry. There is plenty for you guys to attack oh, in this yeah. story. <laughs> I already feel Ooh, triggered. La la. <laughs> oh, wee wee. <laughs> oh, too buku. Uh oh. All right, time. buckle up. We're gonna have a bit. All right, all right. <laughs> We're gonna have an episode full of bad French yep. accents. <laughs> Not just bad French a- accents. Outrageous. All right. Well, without further ado, Lindy, teach me Here some shit about French maids. Mm. All right. <laughs> Shit, I we haven't even got started. One, she can't stop giggling. Yes, she did. <laughs> what would you do for the people you love? To what length would you go to survive? At what point does your mind break and allow you to do the unthinkable? Today I will be taking you back in time to 1800s France and through the life of Martin Dolomore and the French Maid Massacres. 
But before we go into Martin's life, I have to start this out by telling you about his father, Pierre. Pierre de Mala was born in Pest, Hungary, and was a descendant of Hungarian nobility. When the Austrian Empire was formed, the de Mola family lost its rulership. Pierre became involved in plots to restore the family name and to assassinate the emperor, Franz Joseph. The plans failed, and Pierre's partners were caught and executed. Pierre, however, was able to flee. He traveled through West Germany and Italy, bribing people to get him across borders. His journey took nearly a year and left him penniless, but he made it to Salins les Thermes in France. Uh, Pierre was an educated man and found work w managing local merchants' affairs. Uh, he intended to make a life for himself, but needed to do it without drawing undue attention. He met Marie Joseph Tay Ray, and it was love at first sight. The couple were wed and moved to Dagnu and then to Tremoy. Marie Joseph Tay became pregnant in 1809 with their first child. Martin Dumbledore was born. <laughs> Dot. <laughs> it's the doll. Not the was dog. born. June 22nd, 18. There you go. <laughs> the doll's gone. The doll's gone. Uh, Martin Demolord was born June 22nd of 1810. The little family was very happy, and when Martin was three, his baby brother Raymond arrived. Needing a bigger home, the family decided to move back to Dagno. The little family was very loved in the village, but Martin started to develop a reputation as a troublemaker. He had been caught stealing, he was becoming disrespectful, and he had a love for fighting. Then, Sounds like it's somebody I know. <laughs> Which one? What? <laughs> At I three? Can't, I, can't. <laughs> I had Jane's addiction. So sadly... <laughs> you were five. Sadly and very unexpectedly, Raymond became ill and he passed away. Uh, this tragedy changed Martin, and he became silent and sullen. When some of Martin's old ways would start to show, people in the village would use his brother's death against him to get him under control, and they would start calling him by his little brother's so, name. So, when does he start his indie rock band? <laughs> <laughs> a lot later in life. A, a lot yeah. later in life. Um, Raymond did begin to hate the village people. I do, too. It's he's awful music. I thought it was Nacho Man. Nacho, Nacho Man. man. <laughs> That's the Todd version. Uh, so, mm -hmm. I'm Nacho Man. Martin. <laughs> Martin is only three at this point, so it's kind of a sad, shitty way to try and gain control of a mm -hmm. child. Uh, France and Austria came into conflict, and Austria began pressing into France. Panicked, Pierre Dumoulord loaded the family and their valuables into a wagon and headed for Padau, Italy. I can try and spit mm -hmm. that out again. <laughs> Unfortunately for Pierre, exactly. Unfortunately for Pierre, the Austrians got there first. Pierre attempted to pass through town unnoticed, but he was recognized by a nobleman in the army, and the family was arrested. They were held... Show me your stinking papers. I knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> they were held until someone who had known Pierre could be located and brought in from Pest to positively identify him. 
when that happened, Marie and jo- or Marie Josephette and Martin were released from imprisonment. They were penniless and in a foreign country where they did not know the language. They were f- they were forced to beg for food and shelter. No one can understand them. All so. the while, <laughs> right? Have vagina. All the while, will travel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're saying there's always a way. <laughs> He's trying to be glass half full here. <laughs> so you're saying. Never mind. It's just commerce. (laughs) (laughs) So while they're living basically on the street, they have no idea what's happened to Pierre. Then one evening, Pierre was dragged out into the street. He had been tried for his crimes against the crown and was sentenced Mm. to death. His his limbs were tied to four horses and a shot was fired into the air, causing the horses to take off. With the crowd gathered so closely, the horses were unable to go far and only managed to pull Pierre's joints out of their socket. As he screamed in pain and begged for mercy, the executioner took a dull axe and completed the job the horses had been able, unable to Holy do. shit, so you're saying... Fuck me. Not only did he not die by being stretched by horses, that then they used a fucking dull axe? Yeah. You know, that guy thought he was having a bad day. My cable for my foot switch on my mess of boogie went bad the other day when we had practice. Fucking worst day ever. Fucking worst day ever. Let's fucking shut up with his problems. (laughs) Well, Marie Joseph Day and Martin had not been able to see what was happening through the crowd, so... She picked Martin up and placed him on her shoulders. Oh, boy. Oh, so he's the one that got to see, like, oh, by the way, he's quite dead. (laughs) Four-year-old Martin saw everything that had happened to his father. Marie saw what? What a way to go. (laughs) Marie had not been able to see through the crowd, but when she did finally see what happened to her beloved husband, she fell on the ground in hysterics. She was not taking any consideration that her son had just witnessed the entire ordeal from on top of her shoulders. Uh, I can't believe there wasn't, like, blood splatter or something. It seems like you'd be sitting front row at a Gallagher show. (laughs) You need plastic. (laughs) 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 This guy's getting ready to explode. (laughs) Somebody get that kid ding-dong. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The town suddenly realized that this woman... The crowd suddenly realized that this woman and child were the family of the traitor, and they were run out of town. So they had to walk back to France. And on the trip, Marie Josephte was so overrun with grief that she lost her will to live. It fell to Martin to keep the two of them alive on the journey. Martin became feral. He would catch and kill rabbits to stay alive. And when... His mother had some of her wits about her. She would build a fire and prepare the meat, but most of the time, Martin simply ate what he was able to catch. I'm just wrong. like picturing. Oh, have you ever seen Dell? The movie. I know Lindy hasn't because she doesn't watch movies. Yeah. But like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's with it's, it's Jody girl Foster out in the woods by herself. Jody Foster, yeah. yeah, plays now. Chicka pie, chicka pie pie. <laughs> I, that's the first thing we call her. She's like, and he goes feral. I'm like, ooh, chicka pie, chicka pie pie. <laughs> uh, when they reached the war zone between Italy and France, Martin would find fallen soldiers and he would take clothing to wrap around himself and his mother for warmth, and he would also take any rations that he could find. Yeah. Finally, some French soldiers found the pair and they were nearly starved to death and damn near frozen. 
So the soldiers took them in and they cared for them until they were able to be delivered to safety. So far, Lindy, this they, is a really fucking touching, beautiful story about a little are boy. You, are you meaning to tell me that this kid doesn't pull himself up by his boost dress and just become a great individual? And he became <laughs> and he became the president of France, right? <laughs> well, at this time it was Napoleon Bonaparte. Oh, <clears throat> so, <laughs> so the little family made it back to Celine's Latherms and they were able to make it back to the care of Marie's family. At this point, Marie was catatonic and she had lost her ability to function. Mm-hmm. So her family did the best that they could to care for her and her son, but with the extra mouths to feed, their money supply dried up pretty quick. Any hope that Martin had had for a stable life diminished, and the family lived together for about four years, but during this time, Martin would only come around to check on his mother. He was unable to find warmth or just, I mean, he kind of just checked in every now and again, but otherwise he chose to live in the woods and off the land. He survived on his own. He's four. So at eight, he was able to find a job as a shepherd. And this allowed him to continue to live off the land, which he preferred. He chose to live as a hermit and would only come into town and be in contact with people when it was absolutely necessary. Fucking real. In winter, when the sheep were brought in from the pastures uh, for the season, Martin would be put to work doing odd jobs around farms in the area and then going back out with the sheep as soon as it was warm enough. He did that for a few years. (laughs) But then one year during the cold season... I think I know where he was finding warmth. (laughs) Shit, fucker. Hey, hey. Ooh la la. He's he's stuck in here with you. (laughs) You, Yeah, there it goes. There it goes. You scared me for a second there, Tom. I got it. I got it. You're going to say something like, don't knock it till you try it. I can neither confirm nor deny. Well, one year. Nor deny. Where are going? Any port in the storm? Yep, one year during the cold. (laughs) From from bacon to sheep. Jeez, Lindy. Even my sister are perverts bringing up these stories. Yes. Very much so. We're the yes. ones who thought of that in both of them. <laughs> just stating what... Oh, one year. Uh, yeah, just stating the obvious I'm guaranteeing there. it happened. I'm, that's all. I'm 100% sure <laughs> this maniac that went down the woods was fucking there, sheep. There's recorded proof. <laughs> one year during the cold season, Martin had been at work in a hayloft when he fell, nearly breaking his back. He was allowed to stay in the very same hayloft that he had fallen from until he was able to recover. He was never seen by a doctor, and he began to walk hunched over to help ease the pain as he So worked. this is where we get the hunchback of Notre Dame story. Is this it? Is this where we're going? This is it? Quasimodo and this motherfucker. <laughs> this, this, is, uh, this is where hunchback started. got it. Yes. I finally <laughs> figured it out. Nailed it. So the farmers were worried about his condition, and they wouldn't allow him to work any longer, which left Martin without work. Without shelter and without any money. And cold again, because unless you're sneaking mm -hmm. into the pen at night, most likely he did. With the sheep again? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Dang. 
It's not bad. (laughs) Not only only is this where the hunchback started, but it's also where the Ramajam came from. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, Black Betty, Ramajam. I think back then it was more like babble yeah. yeah, You know, however. <laughs> well, Martin began to still again. At first he was just taking little bits of food, and then he began adding valuables to his take. He fled the area to look for work elsewhere, selling the valuables along the way. He was able to gain employment doing odd jobs for farmers along the line, and he built a good reputation for himself. Then word came down that the castle of Sir needed staff, and Martin was sent with recommendations to Master Gutjard. Uh, Gutjard looked Martin over and decided to let Martin have the position of caring for the animals <coughs> and the grounds. It was work. He's very experienced <laughs> caring for the animals. <laughs> he gives them the extra special care that they need, right? <laughs> Make sure that their mm-hmm. every desire is fulfilled. Yes. <laughs> Well, it was work that most people hated, but Martin loved it. Sounds like a very good <laughs> He took to his work very happily every day, and he impressed his supervisors. Martin would wait until the other staff had gone to bed before coming in. Coming, for his supper. yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sure he did. Coming into his supper. <laughs> Well, that left other staff members super intrigued by him, and his supervisor asked him to join them for dinner. Martin believed that this was an order because it had come from his supervisor, so he started taking supper at the same time as everyone else. They all tried to get him to tell his story, but Martin was never one to talk much. He would smile and nod or give a word or two when it was needed, but otherwise he didn't say anything. Most of the staff gave up on trying to get to know him, but some of the maidens in the castle were very interested in him. They found him mysterious, and they began to wonder what Martin might be able to do with his hands, if you catch Uh Uh (laughs) Uh, One young maiden in particular was named Marie Anne Martinet, and she became quite smitten with Martin, and they soon became a couple. Over time, Marianne became Martin's everything. They would spend as much time as possible together and were even given the same time off as a show of support from the staff. When they had been together for nearly a decade, a decade, uh, Marianne became unsatisfied. They were nearing 30 and had not gone further than some light petting. <laughs> so, uh, okay, continue. I... <laughs> Todd you're not helping uh, <laughs> so uh, Marie Anne would be damned if she was to become an old maid and remain a servant for the rest sounds of her sounds like life. she was so a real ba- black sheep mm-hmm. <laughs> she decided to tell Martin that he had to propose but Martin was perfectly content with life the way it was and so he was hesitant to actually ask her to marry him that's that's because she didn't know where he was getting it from. Mm-hmm. Why why buy why buy the cow when he's getting the sheep? Sorry. 
<laughs> my heart belongs to you. <laughs> my God. <laughs> Cheap shit, that is. Yeah. Oh, I just, I just want you to know that, that you ruined this from the get-go with the whole, he was feral, living off the land, fucking sheep. Okay? Where have you wanted to take this As story? As soon as he said that, I was like, wow. It was gone. It was gone. <laughs> Memoirs of a sheep fucker. That's what this should be titled. That's the that's the episode title for this. Memoirs of a sheep fucker. Mm-hmm. You can't put a black apron on a sheep and call it a French what? maid. Well, <laughs> I guess you could. Oh, I'm sure he did. Uh, it could have been worse. I mean, he could have been a goat fucker. Filthy <laughs> <laughs> bastards will eat anything. I'm going to mute my mic those now. Are the, those are the fuckers you got to look out for mm-hmm. right there. <laughs> okay. Well, Marianne realized that Martin had never been introduced to sex, so she started to show more skin around him. She began to kiss him deeper and would whisper in his ear about what they could do together if they were married. Oh, okay. That was exactly the push that Martin needed, and he proposed. Guys, I can hear Todd laughing through mm-hmm. the floor. He's <laughs> muted. <laughs> Gutiard to start their lives together. They left the estate, making sure to take some silverware with them. Uh, the staff were pissed by this, but Master Gutiard said he would just consider this another wedding gift. The couple thought they would be pursued for the theft, so they set out towards Switzerland. It didn't take long for them to realize that no one was after them, though. They found a little cottage for sale in the commune of Les Montelier in the Ain, and they spent a week together in wedded bliss, eating rich, purchasing finer things, and flaunting their money around mm-hmm. town. They, but they spent their nest egg too quickly. I'm sorry, I just, I, I have this, like, me, you know, like, you see, like, you, you picture, like, a montage on, in a movie, and, like, you know, they're, like, strolling through, like, the, the flower fields and shit, and I yeah. just see this hunchback in my head, just like, oh, <laughs> They're like starting to run towards you side there, and then he sees a sheep and starts running towards the sheep. <laughs> That's better than what I was picturing. I was picturing Dumb and Dumber when they found out there was money in that briefcase. <laughs> Spinning it like idiots. Yeah. Uh, so when they had come to town, they they treated the townspeople pretty poorly. Mm-hmm. 
uh, they were flaunting their money and you know, kind of sticking their noses up at them. So it became hard for Martin to find employment. Stupid fucking peasant people. I hunch over in your general direction. I think I killed Tom. <laughs> you can't even talk. <laughs> so the townspeople knew that Martin was pretty accustomed to living and working in the wild, but that he had never been out on a fishing boat. They thought it would be pretty funny to give him the opportunity to go out fishing with them. He ended up falling all over the boat and eventually off of it. Oh, boy. Which scared the fish and made the other fishers furious, but it was kind of their own fault because they're yeah. the ones who He was, he was used to boat. catching things with his hands, right? Was he, did he think he was going to grab a mm-hmm. fish? <laughs> he, he just... He really couldn't get his sea legs. Eddie I Murphy guess. And just stuck his face in the water and shook it and came up with a fish. <laughs> Goonie goo goo. It's a draw, precious. It's a well, Marie Anne had no skills outside of the castle. And in a small town like that, nobody needed a maid. Uh-oh. I see Ted laughing, but I can't hear him. I think he's trying to compose himself. Continue. I'm leaving my mic muted until I need to say something. Oh. I already passed by the scuba okay. diver joke. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard that one, right? Hold on, hold on. We got to tell the scuba yeah. diver joke now. You, do you know why right, scuba right. divers go backwards into the water? Why? Because if they went forwards, they'd go into the boat. <laughs> this is very true. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm here for another 40 minutes. Have you met Todd? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, the couple had to face the reality that they would soon need to sell their home. Martin received word that his mother had passed away. And with that news... He knew that all his ties to his history had been severed. So the couple did sell the little cottage that they well, that, She did live a lot and longer than I thought she was going to, because you said they were there for like 10 years, and then they've been living here for how long? And uh, They they hadn't been here for very long. I think they um, I think they made it in this village for just okay. under a year. So it's like they hit the lottery, and then they so, fucking blew their wad. As, as a lot of them do. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so... With, they sold off all of the furniture and then they set off for Dagnow with uh, with what they could carry. Some people in Dagnow still recognized Martin, and the villagers welcomed the couple with open arms. But some of the older villagers still referred to Martin as Raymond. Oh, but that didn't bother him. Now there wasn't much work in this village either, and as their funds started to dwindle. Marianne started to sour towards Martin, and Martin couldn't take that. He loved Marianne more than anything, and so he decided to make the trek to Lyon to become a highwayman. I was a highwayman along the country. With a hunchback on my back, and I fucked sheep all the way. So at first, Martin would just jump out from behind his hiding place and make threats. 
But he, he ended up getting his ass kicked twice. <laughs> Once by a little old man with okay, a cane. Jumped <laughs> me. I just started swinging. <laughs> he looked like a sheep fucker, so I beat yeah. him. <laughs> uh, well, so it didn't take him long to move up to violence. In one day, he was able to steal about a week's worth of francs, but that wouldn't be enough to satisfy Marie Anne. So he moved across the country to roads further from home. Marie pounced, or Martin pounced on his next victim near the commune of Montlieu. It was not until after he knocked his victim unconscious that he realized it was a woman carrying a basket base. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he decided that he had already knocked her unconscious, so he decided to strip her of all of her clothing, and then he dragged her off the side of the road, leaving her in a thicket. And on his way home, he was able to sell all of the clothing that she had been wearing in a village, so he took a purse full of francs home to his wife. Marianne was delighted, and she showered him with affection for about a day, and then she started asking questions about where the hell he had gotten the money. Yeah. <clears throat> Martin being... Now, I've never painted a picture of Martin for you guys besides the we, I think we've got our own, our own pictures painted. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's extremely tall. I think he was like 6'7". Oh, he could have been 6... He could have been 7 foot without, without that hunch, probably. Uh, yeah, he... Whoa. Possibly. He had, uh, like... What gave you that hunch? <laughs> he, he had very striking blue eyes, and um, but he had, like, a giant beard. A big, white, bushy and beard? It's, mm-hmm. No, it was... He, he, had, he had full colored all of his hair, so black hair, black beard. Um, but he had a giant growth on his lip. Ooh. So he kind of looked like an ogre. Yeah. Okay. And then, the, you know, wasn't there a nursery rhyme about sheep and an ogre? Uh, I don't that, know. I'm sure we're about to make one up, though. That with a sheep from Nantucket? <laughs> Do I smell a commercial? <laughs> Did you get diaper rash walking down a red carpet event? Man, it sucks to be you. Try Elliot Rogers' fucking baby white boy. Are no girls talking to you and you're getting tired of walking up to the Domino's Pizza to sit down and cross your legs like constantly all day long just to get their attention? Elliot Rogers' baby white boy. It's strong enough to wipe your ass when it needs to be wiped. Gentle enough to soak up your tears. Elliot Rogers, baby white ointment. I was trying to throw these chicks off of a balcony, but I had a diaper rash that was so rough I couldn't stand it. Sounds like you should have used some Elliot Rogers, baby white ointment. You know what? Next time I will. My stupid mom had to move into an apartment in L.A. instead of the house she used to live in, and it really chaps my ass. Sounds like you could use some Elliot Rogers, baby athlete ointment. I'll try that. I don't know why all you girls are 
into Elliot Rogers' baby athletement. I mean, it's the perfect remedy. Everything you could possibly have. It's magnificent. I mean, look at it. Last time I tried to talk to a girl, she didn't even talk to me. Probably because I said it in my head. That really chaps my ass. Sounds like you could use some Elliot Rogers' baby athletement. I think you need to apply it to me because I'm above that. Oh, nanny. Well, I don't know what you're doing just standing there. You better apply it to me. I'm only 21 years old. Like, I'm going to apply this myself? Elliot Rogers' baby athletement. What kind of loser wipes their own ass? Well, Martin sank to the ground at Marie Ann's feet in tears, and he told her every detail of what he had done. She was silent for a while, and Martin was afraid that she was going to leave. She couldn't love a criminal or someone who had... That's where she draws Stripped the line. another woman naked on the side of the road. She's put up with a sheep fucker <laughs> and all the other hunchback shit. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden now she's like, no, you stole eggs and beat a woman and stole her clothes. I'm done with you. I'm feeling like she's not going anywhere. But we'll see where this goes. Uh, all of a sudden she started to lovingly stroke Martin's face. And his hair. What about his? What about his? She had given hump. What about yeah. the hump? Massaging. <laughs> my hump. That my hump. <laughs> my lovely hump. hump. Maybe. <laughs> my lovely mammy hump. So <laughs> she had given the matter some thought, and she decided that she was just going to tell Martin what his mistakes had been. Tell him so how to kill better without getting caught, kind of? Okay. That's what I was yeah, guessing so was coming. she told him <laughs> that he had allowed his victims to see him, and she said that if this was going to continue, he couldn't make that mistake again. It's not as if he's inconspicuous, so, is it? Right? So Marie Ann devised a way to get victims to Martin without needing to rely on random chance. She and Martin went over the plan again and again until she was sure that he would not forget it. Don't fuck this up. Then she sent Ma- Punch back in yeah. <laughs> Mama needs new shoes. Then she sent Martin off. <laughs> Mama needs new pair of hoops. <laughs> so Martin went to Lion and he pretended to be the master of a wealthy okay, wait house. A minute, wait, so he went to. He, he, okay, so he went to a place called Lion, or he went to Lion. He started Lion. Oh, no, no, no. He went to a place called Lion, the okay, city okay, in France. Okay. Um, so he approached Marie Cart about coming to work for him at his estate, but she was reluctant to leave her life in Lion behind or a life in the country. But Marie Bidet, <laughs> Bidet. she was ready to go at once. Sounds like she's, sounds like she's game to do anything. She's down. <laughs> sure, I'll shove some water. I'll, so I'll, she, I'll shoot some water up your ass. No big deal. Let's do this. <laughs> Making nice and clean. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, she was not close with any of her relatives. She had just lost her job, and she was in arrears with her landlady. So Martin waited for her outside of her room of her lodging room while she and her landlady ended up in an explosive argument about the missing money well not missing money but the unpaid money marie 
basically told her to shove it, and uh, she joined Martin outside, and they headed for the city gates. Several weeks passed since the pair left Lion, and some hunters were in the forests of Monteverne, Tremois. Near the end of February of 1855, they were out looking for deer, but instead they found Marie's body. A handkerchief, a collar, a black lace cap, and a pair of shoes, all of which were covered no in No sheep, you? Ooh, no wow. sheep. No, no sheep. <laughs> well, at least he hasn't stooped to being a goat fucker, then yeah. I'm okay with it. No, he stoops to another level, though. Uh, it was decided that one man would stay behind with the body to keep it safe from scavenging animals, and the rest would go find a magistrate. Yeah, scavenging. Uh, magistrate Janad returned with the hunters and examined the body. He found the maiden had been bludgeoned six times, raped, and then stripped of her clothing. The girl was taken back to Tremois to be identified, but no one had ever seen her. So, Janot hired a photographer and dispersed photos to the authorities. Now, keep in mind, in this time, there was, like, two photographers in all of wow. France. Mm. So, it wasn't a big thing, and it was an extremely expensive um, it, cost because yeah. you had to pay for their travel to come to where you were and the development of the film. The and all camera that weighed stuff. four so, tons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you need, you need three wagons to haul expensive. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it took months. Well, Janot hired he hired the photographer and then he dispo- dispersed the photos to all of his men, other magistrates, um, and in papers and windows, that kind of stuff. So so that the photos could be seen. But it took months for anybody to recognize the body. And when it was recognized, they actually identified her as the wrong person. Oh wow. Yeah, so when Marie's family finally learned that she was missing and that a body had been found matching her description, they went to see Janad. They actually had to convince him that the girl was, in fact, their daughter. So he was like, okay, well, some articles were found with the girl. Why don't you describe some of her clothing to me and we'll see if any of it matches what was found near her. So they actually identified her based on the black lace cap. Try that in a small town. Mm Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Martin had taken Marie Bidet's trunk home to Marie Anne, and she then sent him immediately back to Lyon for another victim. Okay. Uh, Martin again called on Marie Cart, but she had taken up with a man and declined Martin's offer. But instead of her going with him, she introduced Martin to her friend Olympi. Uh, Olympia was looking for work, and this took place on March 4th, 1855. So she and Martin headed in the direction of the forest of Montreverne, um, which made Olympia super uneasy. She had recently seen the photos of Marie Bidet, and but Martin was able to ease her mind with his kind and simple nature, and he was chatting with her happily. So just look just into kinda... my look deeply into my big blue eyes and stare at my giant hump on the back of my. <laughs> Ignore this hump. Ignore this hump. There's nothing to see here. She just, she just felt like he was too simple. So, um, 
Martin started to ask her some pretty strange questions, though, and he kept coming back to money. He kept asking her in various ways if, if she had any money that was easily accessible or that was on her person. Oh, that's not suspicious or, at all. Yeah, where she kept her money or, or what have you. So she started to get uneasy again, and night started to fall at this point. So she told Martin that she was not going to travel through the forest at night and that they they would need to stop for shelter. So Martin argued with her for a short time, and he made the mistake of telling her that the estate was just past the forest. This had been further than the few walking hours he had promised in the mm-hmm. beginning. So she knew something was wrong, and she took off running. I don't blame her. I picture his I picture yeah, the questions no. were being like, let's say I was to, I don't know, throttle you to death in the middle of the road. Where would I find your money if that were to happen? Do you- <laughs> Is it is it here is it, on this trunk it, that I'm carrying it, for you on, on my, my back? <laughs> well, he, so he would actually load the girl's belongings into a trunk, and he would carry the trunk. Oh, okay, along with them, Your trunk. Your so trunk. all of their personal belongings. Right on my manly home. <laughs> <laughs> so all of their belongings, everything that they owned, everything Martin was already in possession of, without needing to hurt right. them. Yeah. He had it. So, Martin apparently is one hell of a shot with a rock because he tossed one and it hit her well, how in the back. He, you know how he was killing those animals and living in the yeah. woods? He was probably yeah. using whatever yeah. he had. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that's a fair assumption. So, he knocked the wind out of her and caused her to stumble, but she's kind of a badass bitch and she managed to stay hell on yeah. her feet. Martin threw another rock, and this one sailed just past her ear, but it didn't take her down. So she made it to a cottage, and she was banging on the door, and she's screaming for help. And the lady of the house opened the door. She took one look at the girl and pulled her inside. Olympia sat there and told her story, and in the morning, she was escorted back to the lion by a group of farmers. Oh, so good news on this one a little bit, then. Yeah. I, would, she, I bet she went straight back to her friend that... And just slapped her in the fucking face. <laughs> you dumb <laughs> and <twat>. her ass. <laughs> Don't ever introduce me to anybody ever again. Sit me with that monster. <laughs> this is why you don't yeah. go on blind dates. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, the farmers did take her straight to the authorities. Uh, her statement was given, and she was able to provide them with a detailed description. Of so her. is this man? He is very tall. He has a. Uh, a large hump on his back, and he reeks of elderberries. <laughs> so, so piercing blue eyes, you say? <laughs> Don't forget about the elderberries part. <laughs> That's important. And then. he was carrying a shrubbery. So, <laughs> did you say a, a shrubbery? No, please. So, Joseph T. Chartletti was a young maid out doing the shopping for her master when she was approached by an older man who told her of his need for a maid at his own estate. He won her over by offering her exceptional wages and lodging on the estate. He allowed her time to tie up loose ends, and he came to collect her on September 22, 1855. They made their way towards Courtier, through neighborhoods and away from known banditry areas. 
Once again, Martin kept steering the conversation towards money, which oh, made the girl on, uneasy. And as night fell, Joseph Banditry? did... Banditry? Banditry. Banditry. Mm-hmm. I like it. Proceed. He's kept her away from areas known to be robbed. Uh, so once again, Martin kept steering the conversation towards money, which made the girl uneasy. And as night fell, she told Martin that she had recently seen pictures of a Mademoiselle Bidet. And for that reason... She looked like shit. <laughs> I hear it. I hear it. I can't, that's where, just, that's where my mind goes. That's where you wash your ass. So... <laughs> Is there going to be a lady with the last name uh, urinal or... <laughs> <laughs> it's actually pronounced no. now. So we've gone from sheep fucking to ass washing. It's kinda of how these episodes huh? roll, I mean, for the most part, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter what we're talking about. I'm a child. Well, for for that reason, she was not comfortable traveling at night. She told him she would find shelter in a nearby farmhouse, and if he did not wish to stay there as well, then she would meet him in the morning to continue their travels. Mademoiselle Chartletti did stay in a farmhouse that evening, telling her tale um, to the, the patrons of the home, and they agreed that it seemed like the man intended to rob her. So instead of going out and meeting Martin again in the morning, she actually left at first light for Lion and went to authorities. Oh, wow. Another, another, another bright light girl. in this. Okay. There's going to be a When are we going to get, get to the, the French maids? When are we going to get to the French maids? All of them are French yeah. maids, sir. Oh, so when you... Every girl we've talked they're... about has been a French maid. Uh... <laughs> So, so it's not the actual, <laughs> I'm here to clean your house and seduce you. It's the, <laughs> I'm a woman and therefore I'm called a maid. No, so, they, they were, were all, disappointed. they were all maids. They were all yeah, hired They were under maids. the impression that that's the job that they would be doing when they got to the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I obviously, Sorry, obviously, Todd, I'm surprised it took you this long to yell I, at me about this. I, I obviously <laughs> rented the wrong movie. <laughs> and this is how the game Old Maid was Just invented. <laughs> <laughs> so on October 30th, 1855, Martin, again, was in Lyon. So everyone knows this is his choosing ground. He lying. He lying. <laughs> so Jean. <laughs> so Jean Marie Burgoyce was looking for work, and she agreed to meet with Martin the following morning to accompany him to his estate. Meow. On. <laughs> On Halloween morning, the pair set off on a pleasant enough walk, but Jean Marie could not shake the feeling that she was in danger. She looked at her surroundings and saw a monastery in the distance. Giving no warning, she took off. She ran as far and as fast as she this was able. This was just, a, just, just, just <laughs> oozing with creep vibes. Yes. Okay. Is this so? She did eventually collapse from exhaustion. Is this the part where he climbs up Check and out. rings the bell in this church and then <laughs> they light it on fire? <laughs> no, 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 no. 
know, but we are getting we are getting to where that comes into play here in just cool. a couple right. minutes. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. So after she collapsed, a pair of large rough hands picked her up and the girl did not have enough air to scream. Fortunately for her, the man was not her would-be attacker. It was another hunchback, but a farmer, Quasimodo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was actually a farmer named Benoit Berthelier. Uh, he had seen the girl running and stumbling through his fields, and he was concerned for her. So when she came out, did he have what balls? I, I think he said balls. Ben, balls. Benoit. Did he have balls? balls. Okay, oh, I was gonna. I was gonna I, okay, I was gonna say he threw her in the crippler cross face, but then I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, where are we going with this? <laughs> uh, so when Jean Marie could catch her breath, she told Benoit what had happened. He gathered the local men and they went out in search of the man, but they were unable to locate him. So they took the girl back to Lyon and delivered her to authorities. Also, Magistrate Janad had already arrested Waquez Berger for the crimes and was forced to release him all these due fucking to this French new information. Names. I don't know. <laughs> France or something. Right. Jesus. <laughs> We're not right in the heart of France. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, directly in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not like you're lying about being in Lyon. So in November... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> is it Lyon or is it Lyon? I was... Uh, it might be Leon. <laughs> I was in a town called Lyon but, just the other day. <laughs> well, I was picking up a truck and I heard three gunshots that sounded like they came from a couple blocks away. I was like, okay, it's time to leave because it's fucking midnight. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure that uh, if I'm saying it wrong, which I'm sure Don't that know. I am, people are going to tell us. So, <laughs> Right on. Yep. In November, Martin found Victorine Perrin, who was a very naive and trusting girl. She was just passing through in search of work, and she agreed to go with Martin immediately. She already had all of her things with her, so why not? Uh, They set off on the usual path through Lacroix, Rousse, towards Montlio. And in Neyron, the streets were bustling with people, and Victorine was separated from her new employer. She thought to call out to him, but realized he had never given her his name. So she clambered up a lamppost in hopes of seeing him what in the crowd. What the fuck is going she... on here? <laughs> <laughs> but she was unable to locate him. For the sheep fucker. It's like and... a Disney movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a post to see him like find somebody. Why didn't you just say, have you seen a gigantic fucking hunchback? (laughs) (laughs) So, on her way back, she was cursing herself for losing the man. She felt she had just cost herself a good job, and it was all over a silly accident. It didn't occur to her until until she was nearly back that the man had all of her possessions with him. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. So she went to authorities and made a statement, and everyone there congratulated her on her luck and her escape. Yeah, what are you talking about? I just lost all my shit. Yeah, but she wasn't beaten to death, brutally raped, and killed. 
You're, you're in the woods. so lucky that you just decided to go somewhere with a guy who you didn't even know what his name was. And you let yes. him take all your shit, and then you got lost in the crowd, and then when you got home, you were like, oh, fuck, he's got all my shit, but <laughs> I'm alive. <laughs> tough times, shitty, man. People do crazy shit in tough times. Well, see, that's kind of what she thought that they were talking about when she saw pictures of Marie. A day. Uh-huh. <laughs> And then she realized that, no, they weren't kidding. They were really congratulating her on being able to get away uh, from him. And she didn't even want to. Yeah. So there appeared to be no attacks made between 1856 and 1859. Good shit in that trunk then. No, I don't know. However. Well, it was probably was... a bunch of people that didn't report the fact that he was a fucking incompetent idiot and they got away from him too. So, no, but they just didn't say anything maybe. This. This was actually when Martin became most active and successful. So he had learned to bury his victims, change his appearance. How the fuck do you change your appearance when you're a hunchback? Damn near seven foot tall hunchback. He could he could stand up straight. It just gave him pain to do so. So but he could straighten up. Um and he so it said there were times when he went into town and he would look like he was actually the master of the house. There were other times when it looked like he was just a worker at the house and he was feigning for, you know, he was out doing interviews for the master of the house. So he could change, he could shave his beard, he could trim his hair, he could, somehow he didn't stand out among this crowd. I don't know how, but he's an actor. <laughs> and a damn good one. <clears throat> so, Julie Did he- Fargiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry. What's up, Todd? I'm, I'm waiting for it, too. Move along. You're taking Julie entirely Fargiot too was long in bad way with when this Martin story. Found her. I'm just waiting to, like, go look up French-made porn now, so... Come on, hurry up, get to the... Oh, well, just mute your just mute your microphone and get on with your business. Okay. <laughs> Please mute your microphone. <laughs> so Martin found her on January 18th, 1859. He approached her about the job and she accepted, but reluctantly. Julie knew that she could not go unless she told her new employer everything. So she pulled Martin aside and whispered to him that she was pregnant out of wedlock and the father of the baby had been killed in combat. Uh, All that she owned was in the apron that she was wearing that was hiding the baby bump. In truth, she was pregnant, but it had been her previous master that was the father of the child. When he had learned of her condition, he gave her a small amount of money and sent her on her way, which left her out of a job and a home. So she was actually really a, a great French maid then. Yeah, fantastic. She did all that she was supposed what to. What a gentleman. <laughs> gave, gave him every comfort. <laughs> so Martin took a few minutes to think over the situation, and he decided that he would take the girl anyway, baby and all. So Julie was ecstatic, and they headed out and made it to Sivero Commune just before sunset. And Julie was about to tell Martin that she would like to stop for the night when Martin jumped on her. 
She thought that he was trying to strangle her, so she started to scream. The noise momentarily stunned Martin, but not long enough to give Julie a chance to move. He was back on her again, and this time she thought that he was trying to claw her stomach to get to the baby. But he finally caught hold of the cord on her apron, and he was able to rip it off of her, and then he took off running. So Julie laid there, and she continued to scream until Simon Mallet and his son Luis found her. They took her to their home where she told them what happened, and the following day, the men accompanied Julie to St. Andrew de Corsi, where Martin had claimed to be from. And there, she reported the crime and was hoping to possibly point out her attacker. As if the description wouldn't just, like, single him out. I mean, he's, he's got to be taller than 98% of the population back then. That's freaking... I mean, by a lot. Well, yeah. unfortunately for Julie... The officers at St. Andrew de Corsi did not believe her story, and they demanded that she provide them with her work papers. <laughs> she did which not have. she was not able to do because they had been in the apron that her attacker had made off with. Uh, yeah, this is what they'll say, isn't it? Uh-huh. So, since she didn't have papers, the officers had her arrested for vagrancy. <sighs> oh, the good old days. Yeah. Once, once, once oh, again, the good old she days. didn't die. Right. Yes. Yeah. So on December 11th, 1859 in St. Croix, a young girl and a man were seen traveling together by John Pierre Cretchen. Uh, a short time later, John Pierre saw the girl running back from the woods, beaten and bloody. John Pierre allowed her to stay at his home that evening and she left the following morning and was never seen again. Mm-hmm. Um, she is unknown. No one ever even caught her name. And then on April 30th of 1860, Luis Mikel met with a well-groomed man riding on top of a horse, and he was ready to take her to his estate for work that very day. He loaded Luis's things onto the horse and then helped her up. The man led the way, and they had a casual, pleasant conversation. In Sivaru, the man asked her to dismount for a moment. He helped her down, and while she was still in his arms, in the same casual tones that he had been using all day, he told her to give him all her money and valuables or he would kill her. No meeting around the bush anymore. Let's shocked. just go right to it. <laughs> yeah. She was shocked and she kind of thought that he was kidding, but then Martin sat her down and he struck her hard enough to knock her down to the ground. Wow. She had not been struck like that since she was a child. Oh boy. So disgusting yeah. to say. Uh but it shook her into moving her feet. So she got up and took off. But she was smart enough to not stick to the main road because Martin had right. a horse. <laughs> so she actually ran out into the fields and was weaving through areas. She knew that it would be difficult for the horse to follow. Smart kid. Um, mm-hmm. Mademoiselle Mikel did not go forward to authorities until nearly a month later. Coincidentally, as Martin was Fleeing from her attack, he ended up in the field of Simon Mallet and his son, Luis. Those are the two that had been with Julie. So they confronted Martin about Julie, and he just kind of laughed and rode off. But on the same day that Luis went to the magistrate, so did Simon and Luis. The the boy, Luis. (laughs) Uh, Magistrate Janad was faced with another conflict as he had just arrested another man named Audrey Lott just before they arrived. 
So the trio were taken to where the prisoner was being held captive, and none of them recognized him. So Janad, again, had to release who he had arrested for the crimes. Mm. Uh, (laughs) The Mm -hmm. story. The story is not what I thought it was to begin with, but it's good. So Marie Pitchin met Martin, and she accepted his offer. They traveled by train to Montlial. Both were well-rested from their train ride, and they started out to the Dagny Forest. After a while, Martin set down Marie's trunk, pretending to have to tie his shoe. She was looking out through the forest and did not notice Martin pulling a lariat from his pant leg. Marie had her back to him and had been looking out towards the sun, which caused her eye to water. So she raised a hand to wipe at her eye, just as Martin tried to throw the lariat around her neck. Oh, so she got her so she got her forearm he up got, in the way to get around the okay. Mm-hmm. He got her arm instead, but he was not aware that this had happened. So he was pulling on the lariat hard enough to pull Marie off of her feet, and he could not understand how the girl was not choking out. Uh, when he realized his error, he loosened his grip, which placed Marie back on the ground, and she wasted no time. That girl took off like a bat out of hell. Indiana Jones, he she is was not. Take- okay. Thank God this guy's <laughs> done her in a box of shit. <laughs> yes. So she was taken in by Farmer Jolly, and while the girl slept, Jolly went to Dagnew authorities to alert them to the situation. Mm. Dagnew should sound... Slightly familiar. Slightly familiar. So, <laughs> Todd. <laughs> I hope your mic really is muted. Yeah. <laughs> Fold my napkin. <laughs> Unfortunately for Martin, <laughs> his description was immediately recognized. Finally. And he was, not, he was not only named, but since he lived in Dagnow, his home was pointed out as well. Rangers, with the aid of locals, were able to put together a timeline of Martin's return to the area and his travels since his move back. The rangers sent word to Magistrate Janad, and he immediately wrote a warrant for his and Marianne's arrest and a search warrant on their home. Once the warrant was signed by the proper authorities, Janad and a few officers headed to Dagnow to arrest Martin and his wife. They were taken to the guard, Champetre, office while officers searched the home. The horrors that were uncovered at the Dumalord home began to unfold the true story of the victims that had not yet been uh, Okay. There were piles and oh, piles hora. of clothing, jewelry, and precious heirlooms. <laughs> the hora. <laughs> well, there, at least, the at least clothing... there were any, no nipple belts, though, right? No. Right. <laughs> no. were victims, though. No. <laughs> Uh, The clothing was stacked in piles depending on condition. One area held clothes that were in sellable condition. So those would have been the clothes that would have come out of the trunks. Um, Another area was dirty clothes that were caked with dirt and blood. So hold on. And the final area. We we have another instance of people collecting trunks and clothes. Yep. Are they they snark pitch too? Do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> no, they're from France. Totally not Belgium. Different language, yep. different language. <laughs> well, it's it's crazy. All the same. piles of clothes. 
And his, uh, his, his wife wasn't concerned uh-huh. of why you took the dirty, bloody ones. Why are those? Why'd you bring those home? Well, I already had them all over while I was raping her. I mean, well, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> you're sick. You're sick, uh, so man. The, you're going to hell. I didn't do it. This guy did. <laughs> so the final area of clothes um, were the hardest to look at as they were the ones that had clearly been in mm. a struggle. They were cut, ripped, or shredded. Covered in semen. Um, Most likely. Yeah. There were way too many dresses and other items of clothing to fit the one murder victim that the magistrate had found already. So Marie-Anne and Martin were moved to the prison in Trivu. Janod now had a tremendous task in front of him. While he did have a massive amount of evidence... He had no bodies to tie to the crimes and no confession. Because at this point, um, he wasn't able to get a hold of Marie Bidet's family to find out if any of those clothes had belonged to her. And she was the only person who he had not taken, like, a trunk from. So he sold her clothes off before they even got there. There weren't any of hers remaining. Um, Janad went to interview Martin first, but Martin wasn't a man of very many words, and he was able to just shut down completely. He didn't say anything. Marie Anne, however, began blaming everything on her husband. No. (laughs) Shock. I didn't see that coming. (laughs) Through her story, Janad realized that Marie Anne had, in fact, been the mastermind behind this whole thing. And Martin was just the muscle. Janot put out the call for all survivors. Muscle, I say witnesses. he was just a hump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> big dumb fucking idiot. Oh. <laughs> Typical man. <laughs> the call was put out for all survivors, witnesses, and families of missing women in the area to come forward to look at the items that were recovered. But unfortunately, there were very few remaining in the actual area. In May of 1861, Janot caught a break when Marie Joseph Te Usad came forward about her missing sister, Marie Ulali Usad. Marie Joseph Te told Janot that a man had come to their home to collect her sister and take her to his estate for her new job. Marie Joseph Te was able to identify her sister's belongings and Martin as her abductor. Janot composed searches of the woods near Pit. Piazze to try and locate a body, but there was not any success in that. Then Janad decided to do the unthinkable. And he let Martin out of his cell, shackled in iron shackles, and they took him to the woods. Janad didn't think Martin would lead them anywhere. He simply wanted to observe the man to see if he could figure out how he would have moved through the forested area. But Martin looked around for a moment and then said, I know where the body is, and I am ready to take you there. (laughs) Uh, Martin made easy work of moving through the woods. He stopped at at the area where he had buried Marie, uh, Ulali, and he just pointed. They took Martin back to his cell and brought Marie Joseph Tay to her sister so he could identify so she could identify her 
Uh, and then the body was taken in for autopsy where they found that she had been violently raped and then buried alive. Uh, buried wow. alive. Buried wow. alive. Fuck's sake. <clears throat> yes. So. What a monster. They decided. Yeah. They decided to send doctors in to examine Martin. Uh, they were hoping to use him to answer the question that's been asked since the beginning of time of whether his evilness was hereditary well, or circumstantial. Either, either way, if it was, of course, his wife was putting him up to doing it, but he was going to do it anyway, and he was mm-hmm. super enjoying it, or else he wouldn't have been raping them. See, I don't think that he would have done it without no. her. That's the well, point he might right not there. Have, but... No, 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 no. If he never, if he would have never, never would have left. If he never would have fucked that girl and stayed the fucking cheap. He'd be fucking a happy man today. Yeah, I, memoirs of it. So what you're saying is. is, sex with women is the root of all evil. I think, uh, <laughs> I think it's. I think I, I blame the sheep. I think it's the gateway. Uh, gateway drug. It's the gateway rape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So he went crazy because he wasn't having sex with sheep uh, anymore. He moved on to women. He just started out with the sheep, and that's what did it. Yeah. Um, so the doctors found that the growth on Martin's lip was actually a benign form mm-hmm. of cancer. And then with their extremely disgusting and racist form of science, they decided that Martin was not, in fact, a full-blooded Frenchman. And so he could well have been born a monster. Oh. Well, that makes sense. Case um, closed. And if you actually... Yeah, if you actually want to go see the methods that they used, I'll let you guys look it up. But this is the part of the story that actually made me super mad. So, what, what you, <laughs> the methods that they used. Okay. Mm-hmm. What were? Mm-hmm. We, well, just basically like they measured the size of his skull and compared the size it of to, his penis. No people of other races. Okay. Uh, the size of their skulls and that kind of stuff. So um, medicine back in the day was vile. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so Janad started to apply pressure to Marie Anne, and she would accept no involvement in the crimes. But in exchange for her life, she could offer them a body. Oh, So she told Janad that in November of... Or December of 1855, Martin had killed a girl in the Montmain woods. He had brought home her things, and those things included a pair of gold earrings, which the couple sold for a hefty sum. She told them that Martin had enticed the girl with his promise of work and lodgings. He then took her to the train station where they offloaded her luggage to be claimed at a later time after he had gotten her situated in her new home and role, he promised the girl he would return to fetch her trunk. Uh, when Marie Anne learned of his plan, she forbade him from returning for the trunk as she did not want any attention to be drawn to him. Authorities went with Marie Anne to claim the trunk, and the station was happy to finally have it claimed. Janad Marie Anne, the imperial attorney and the gendarme commander took the train along the same route that Martin had taken with the maiden. While on the train, they took Marianne's statement, and they headed for the woods. Marianne was able to locate the body immediately. Hmm. And so, J- 
Janot did not believe that Marie Anne could not have been involved. <laughs> almost like she, she was able to take almost like to she the had to be there. Exact kind of location yeah. of the body. Uh huh. <clears throat> but he was willing to let it go if it meant that they got Martin. So the body was sent back for an autopsy, and they found that this body had been raped twice. Once prior to her death, and then once after. At this point in time, Janot and others. (laughs) At this point in time, Janod and other authorities had been rational towards Martin. They believed that there was a logical explanation for why he did what he did, and that everything could basically be explained away. Um But finding that he had returned to a corpse and committed necrophilia was unacceptable and unexplainable. Mm -hmm. So now they were ready to throw the book in. Oh, that was the, that was it. That's what, okay. That's where the line's drawn. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I see. That's where the line was drawn. (laughs) Makes no fucking sense. So, (laughs) welcome Uh to 1800s patriarchy. (laughs) So Martin vehemently denied having anything to do with this crime, despite his wife's confession. As of now, uh, the investigation had only turned up three confirmed murders. There were still way more articles of struggle clothing than victims, and only six survivors had come forward with evidence against Martin. Janot looked through the 648 cases of missing women from the area and he knew if Martin confessed, then he could have closer solving, um, like he, he could be closer to solving half right. of these. That's a, that's it. Because he felt like he had been involved and that was going to be it, case closed. But um, it felt like Martin had been coached on who he was allowed to confess to. And the Montmain maiden was an error on Marie Anne's part. So Janot had no choice but to move forward with the three murdered and six surviving women. Then suddenly Janot was summoned. and Martin had agreed to confess. Um, I'm going to sum this up because the confession is super lengthy, but it is public record. So if anybody's interested, you can actually okay. go look it up. Um, it's disgusting. I mean, this whole story is pretty but, fucking gross. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah, most of it, yeah. Yeah, well... In my in my summation, you'll see why it's the, even more disgusting. The few disgusting. girls getting away is a is a positive, but uh, yeah, for the for most of us. Yeah. Yeah. So Martin told Janod that in December of 1853, he had been approached by two farmers while he was in Lyon. The farmers told Martin of their plans to abduct women in need of work and rob them of their belongings. They said that if Martin would assist them with finding maids carrying the trunks and helping through wooded areas that they would pay him 40 francs per maid. And if he would remain with them, then they would give him 100,000 francs after 20 years of service. (laughs) It was an offer that Martin could not refuse. So he did. This offer I cannot refuse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Martin stated that he never hurt the girls unless he had been the one to find them and start their journey with them. Then he would do what he could to scare them off so he could make away with the trunk, but no that life needed to come to an end. Oh, so he was being weird on purpose, so he says. 
Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he says. <laughs> uh, and that was why so many of them found their freedom, because how could someone of his size and stature not overtake a young girl? Uh, not a soul believed Martin's confession, and none of the survivors could corroborate having ever seen two other men. Martin, in his confession, however, had mentioned two other bodies that had been thrown into the river. So, the authorities went and searched the river, unfortunately, yeah. over the time, though, and Currents, with the current of the rain, they were not able to locate Drag them. The water some more! But... Once Once again, attempting to save her own life, Marie Anne let slip details of 18 lives. And so you know that was curbed even. Yeah. Yeah, so basically in the end, it is stated that they had agreed long ago that only one of them needed to take the fall for this, so Martin would take it all and she would confess to, to mm-hmm. save herself. Uh, so there is one detail that can be gathered from the clothing that neither uh, the Dumollards nor the authorities ever brought up. In the clothing found in the home, there were also children's clothing. <sighs> oh. So the trial began on January 29th, 1862. The courthouse and streets were packed with over 5,000 people. Martin and Marianne were tried together. Court adjourned for jury deliberation on February 1st, 1862, and it took them just under three hours to return a verdict. Martin was sentenced to death, and Marianne received 20 years imprisonment with hard labor. The couple were allowed to have one last meal together before Martin was marched through town to the waiting guillotine. On March 8th, 1862 at 7 a.m. Martin was decapitated via guillotine in front of a cheering okay, crowd. Guillotine is his way head. too easy for this guy. He should have been drawn and quartered like his father. Uh, I agree. Stoned to death. Um, something like that. Some, yeah, yeah, something a little bit more, yeah. The reason, the reason they chose to do this is because his head was kept and used for medical science, and it is still in use Whoa. today. Oh, shit. Yes. Marianne died in prison in 1870. Good. Wow. I hope the hard labor was like the bloody hand type hard labor, like oh, from body apply. Yeah. Where it's like people cutting off body parts to get out of it. <laughs> get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It it was not. It was not a picnic. She she was not doing easy Good. labor. Wow. Once again, another horrible one. But oh man. Yeah. I, I didn't know idea. anything about that story. Uh, not, not the, uh, not, not the story. Not what you had envisioned. Well, not the one that I looked up. Uh, there's, oh, there's a different, right. uh, there's a different made French. Hey, you're story. already, you're already, there are. you're already there's into actually... some research for another episode. Then. Uh, the Patine sisters. That's the one I was, uh, thinking we were doing today. So yeah, well, we can do that. Yeah. We can do that some yeah. other time. That's uh, some weird, wild V.C. Andrews on Molly type shit. <laughs> Todd's helping out. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure what just happened there, but... <laughs> just coming in here for you. Uh, well, guys... Um, 
thanks for hanging out again as always Hell um, yeah, please continue good. to like rate review the podcast um please leave a review that's how we can kind of spread the word that's how we pop up on the algorithm and it says hey you might like this podcast to other people so yeah, stop uh, being selfish please, please don't just hold us all to yourself yeah <laughs> so um please continue to do that and as always guys thanks for hanging out uh i had a good time as always yeah. um if you have a story you'd like to share matt's got some free shit that he's willing to part with i sure do and, and i'll have another book coming up after we yep. get, after i get my big one out of the way i'll have another book to give away so just more things lots of crazy crazy shit on the horizon we've, we've kind of got it planned out for the next couple months so um we'll have some good shit coming up soon yeah. uh, and um you can check us out on the live stream every saturday evening at 7 p.m central standard time on our youtube or on our facebook, facebook channel which is at hmfppod if you had to uh comment questions uh stories you can email us at hmfppod at gmail.com. And uh, thanks a lot, guys. We appreciate you. Uh, until next week, I'm Zach. Spar. Lindy. Yeah, I love you. Bye-bye. And the Todd. That one, too. Yeah. <laughs> we will see you guys next Tuesday. Later. Later. Bye. And what Todd said. What you're saying is I wore this French maid outfit for nothing. (laughs) (laughs) You got sheep shit in your beard, man. What the hell are you doing? Shut your fucking face, sheep fucker. You look like an ogre, you sheep fucker.